Hello, you're listening to Season 3 of the Hypotheticals Podcast. I'm Andy. I'm Adriano. And this episode is brought to you by... Street noises, which will not stop. I should have <laughs> shut the shutters, like, right at the beginning of all this. I'm so sorry, there's probably all kinds of background. Adriano, I've been thinking, what films could you repitch successfully in a different genre? Oh, and I'm already super excited for this question because it means not actually making anything original. Um, yeah, yeah, just just co-opting other people's work and uh, putting in a bit of lazy effort and uh, jobs are good. Right. And I mean, honestly, <laughs> Hollywood is already doing this. Um, well, true. You know, case in point, like Exhibit A, the uh, the Disney remakes, right? They're not even like switching up the genres or whatever. I guess animation to live action. All right. Mm. Fair enough. But they're like, you know, what? we could really cash in on this thing we made 50 years ago. Yeah, we see <laughs> what you're doing. And uh, and they're also doing it with the uh, villain ones. Right? Oh, as in like uh what what villain ones? I think I think it started with Maleficent. I see. Casting yeah, which almost was derived from um Wicked, I imagine was the inspiration. Bingo. Obviously they they'd never talk about it, but from the Wizard of Oz being like, aha, but what if it was about the villain? And that's they true. were the kind of good guy. Yeah, that's probably the original. We can we can credit them with that, why not? Yeah, and now they're doing Cruella, which I'm super interested to see what the heck, because her deal is literally, I want to murder puppies, and I have no idea how you make that sympathetic. <laughs> like, how is <laughs> the focus group, like, how do we make her sympathetic to a teen audience that loves dogs? Hmm, uh, not sure. It's possible they just dodge the issue entirely. I don't know, kind of curious. Maybe they're just going to market it entirely to cat people. Like, hey, you really hate dogs, right? Come and see our film. (laughs) Next year, they come out with um, the live-action remake of The Aristocats, where Mm. uh, Edgar the butler is the good guy, uh, and he really hates the cats, but he's justified in hating the cats. Markets it directly to dog people. Yeah, is that true, or is that one you've made up? Oh, I've made that up, but stay <laughs> tuned. The Aristocats is ripe for the plucking. Yeah, it's about that that right kind of... It's it's that old now that you can probably do a good remake. I think so. And also, it, it's from like that era of lesser Disney classics. There was a Disney renaissance like in the 90s with Aladdin and Lion King and all the big budget ones. And uh, I feel like Robin Hood, The Aristocats, like The Rescuers and stuff, they don't get so much of a look in. Yeah, imagine if they remade Robin Hood as a live-action one. Wouldn't that be exciting? Never been done before. I don't think that story has been told (laughs) enough times. Just like Peter Pan, we can just go over and over and over. Anyway, that's not really the point. Point is, so we've already got this trend of making uh, sort of villain-slash-anti-hero-focused retellings, uh, like Joker as well. They're skewed typically, I think, towards a slightly older audience, although I suspect that things like Maleficent and stuff are... You know, keeping it PG, because obviously you want to make that dollar from uh, parents taking their kids to see it over half term. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, that's a little bit of a cop out. I can see why Disney's doing it, obviously, because, you know, for the kids. But um, I don't think we're going far enough yet. Joker's a good start, but I want to see gritty adult fairy tales. Yeah. I want to see I want to see uh, Jack and the Beanstalk turn into a heist movie. Oh, that would be good. Right? Robbing the giant. He's got to assemble yeah. a team. Who would his crack team be? I'm in. Like, come on, Widow Twanky, let's go. <laughs> and she's like a safe cracker. Because it's also a pantomime. They yes. do stop to sing periodically. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I've no idea who his team would be. Presumably, it'd be like you know Mother Goose and yeah, like you could you could create a Marvel Cinematic Universe out of like Grimm's fairy tales. Because I mean, Hansel and Gretel is just like waiting to be turned into a uh, Blair Witch project thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like with the kids lost in the woods and there's a witch. Like that's just that just rolls right off the tongue. And then you got these heroic kids because they survive the witch and Hansel and Gretel, and then. You bring in, you know, Jack and Jill from the nursery rhyme. And I mean, there's just, there's a whole cast of beloved childhood characters just waiting to be turned into the, the, the gridgy, 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 Andy. <laughs> gridgy, that's a good word. There's a neologism I've just come up with. It's a combination of gritty and edgy. And nice. the kids are going to love it. We're going to print it on t-shirts. Everyone's going to be gridgy, <laughs> TM. Very the new soon. volume of Gridge's Fairy Tales coming soon. It's perfect. It's not even any kind of copyright infringement. I mean, I suspect <laughs> they're public domain, but the point is it's new, it's fresh, it's ours, and it's going to be the best. You can make, like, um, cri- missing person crime documentaries, you know, the, like, mm-hmm. really dramatic ones for, like, Sleeping Beauty, you know? Because, like, oh, where did you she could go? Re- yeah, you could recast, like, you know, Rumpelstiltskin, where... Um... The, that's the one with the loom where she's weaving straw into gold, mm. and then uh, like the, the little gnomey man takes her her kid away in exchange for <laughs> the last night of her again? weaving. His name remember. his name is Rumpelstiltskin. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> and, <laughs> Sorry. And, uh, and uh, so yeah, um, you could flip that on its head and have him as like you know this sympathetic character. He wants to have a child of his own, but uh, because of his you know. His unfortunate gnomus features. No one wants to have a kid with him. Mm-hmm. So you know he rescues this child from this. Maybe it's this you know sort of um, abusive relationship with it with his, its mother. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then it's actually a tragedy when when the child gets taken back and Rumpelstiltskin. Uh, you know, in some versions of the the story, he explodes because he's so angry. So um, <laughs> that that would be sad. <laughs> Or an incredibly tender climax. Yeah. I, I mean, well, sad, but in in a good way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm thinking about it. Shrek kind of already has cashed in on the fairy tale verse and yes. made it, you know, modern and just a little bit edgy and ironic and self-aware and all the rest of it. But we can we can go further. And honestly, it's fairy tales are grim, pun intended. But there's also a lot of really, like, there's more grim stories being told. So take things like Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, with your Freddy Krueger. That's the one with Freddy Krueger, right? I think I, think I think so, with the, the man with the knife hands. Yeah, and he comes and gets you in the dreams. And yeah, and, and Halloween has got the guy with the, the knife in his hand, but not actual mm. knife. But you know, similar deal. Michael Myers, you got your Freddy Krueger, whatever. These guys are just so ready to have their like sympathetic biopic version, you know? Like, what's Freddy's story? Sure, he'll kill you in your dreams, but like, who was he <laughs> before that? And, and why? Well, wasn't he um, Edward Scissorhands before? Isn't that, isn't that isn't Edward Scissorhands the prequel? He was a hairdresser. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, you can just stitch these together. I'm pretty sure he goes through a lot of tragedy, and then he like retires away from society that rejects him back to his like castle, and he's just obsessed over this girl, and he, he keeps like hacking up ice sculptures of her. Isn't that how it ends? I don't know. Spoilers. I think that is Sorry, how it is. ends. Yeah, it's quite sad, but um, Tragic. but yeah, and then and then he goes to sleep, and in his dreams, he kills people. You would, wouldn't you? He's been through a lot. <laughs> Honestly, I came out of Joker thinking like man that guy i I don't think i'm alone in this i think that's the point of the movies you're like wow the system really screwed him good i'm glad he shot those wall street guys so you could do that with (laughs) 
<laughs> It'd be even more interesting if they managed to do that with like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, or I haven't seen that either. I don't even know who <laughs> I'm the guy glad is. They ate those campers. <laughs> <laughs> is it is there cannibalism involved? I haven't seen it. Oh yeah, yeah, they're 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 big old cannibals. Yeah, wonderful. Well, well into it. Well, look, the point is, it's all about how you do it because you, you know, you have the dramatic shots with like the heartbeat sounds in the background. You have the, like the, the music stings and stuff when like, oh, you see the chainsaw. That's one way of spinning it, obviously, but you take away the dramatic music, uh, music, you take away the cinematic tension. You have a lot of cutaways to like interviews with historians, psychologists, friends and family of the victim the victim in this case is not the victim of the murder it's <laughs> freddy krueger or equivalent who is a victim of a society that didn't care and you really get inside the mind behind the nightmare mask yeah and it turns out in his childhood he was terrorized by a man with knives for hands <laughs> for fingers it's the cycle of bullying, it's man. the cycle yeah it just continues yeah <laughs> well speaking of slightly sinister films have you seen the film big with tom hanks um no and now i i can't even think what it is it's um it's been a long time since i've seen it but it's basically the story of a kid who i think is about eight years old maybe slightly older but i think around that age who wishes one day that he was a grown-up because then he could do all the grown-up things Mm. and then would you would you know it he wakes up and he's tom hanks what a you know what a revelation (laughs) who wouldn't want that yeah, and uh, so he wakes up as Tom Hanks and it goes around like, you know, eating cake for breakfast and playing on... There's the famous one where he's like dancing on the giant keyboard on the floor. and uh, But yeah, part of it is that he has a relationship with a woman in her 20s or 30s, I think. Right. Um, and he's Ooh. an eight-year-old kid. Ooh. And at the end of the film, spoilers, end of the film, uh, it pretty much ends on the image of him turning back into a kid... And her just like smiling and waving at this kid, and he like goes into his house. And she's like, ha ha ha, goodbye. Um, <laughs> that was so fun. you could very easily change this into a sinister psychological drama yeah. about the impact of a realization that you've you've been dating an eight year old child in a man's body oh, for like yeah. months. God, yeah, that's very uncomfortable. Is that how it goes? They're like in a months long relationship, and then at the end of it, she's just like, ah, nice to see him yeah. turn back into his true form. And uh, I don't know how long it was, but it, it was obviously that they had some sort of connection. And then at the end, she just seems fine. It's not like you know, there's the smiling, what, uh, smiling, waving kid, mm-hmm. and then it cuts to her, and she's just like gaunt, <laughs> like she's throwing <laughs> up in a book. Yeah, she's not like <laughs> crying in the shower, like trying to cleanse the scene or anything. She's just, yeah, huh. Yeah, it makes you think, doesn't it? I mean, there's, <laughs> there's a really... You either... Yeah, if you focus on, like, the effect it has on her, the effect it has on him afterwards, or you go even darker and, like, his whole... Oh, God. There is a story ready to be made there about how his imbigification, technical term, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> is is in his mind, you know, like just a flowers for Algernon thing, like a right. almost, you mm-hmm. know, like visually represented by him being played by Tom Hanks, uh, but actually it just hit an internal shift and, you know, people convincing him he's mature and everything and, and, um, yeah. And he's actually just been stalking this, this woman. Yeah, and that's a very uncomfortable story, actually, and I don't know if society's ready for it, but, you know, maybe, maybe there's a book to be made. Yeah, and also you could do a, a you know, you could do it as him also later on if the film continues when he is an adult, when he is Tom Hanks. Um, and just, just his endless, endless therapy sessions. <laughs> yeah. So why do you have this relationship with women? Well, 
Um, <laughs> it's a long story. It, it started at my birthday at time, but... when I blew out all my candles. Mm-hmm. Is that how it starts? That's the same as uh, Liar Liar. Uh, I can't remember if it is, but it sounds like the kind of thing that they do. It does, doesn't it? Is there a whole genre of movies that begin with kids blowing out candles and wishing for something outlandish that then comes true? There probably is, actually, yeah. There probably is. I feel like that's the thing they were doing in the 90s. I think it's like every other Adam Sandler film is probably that. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Okay, well that's horrifying, Andy. Um, let's do the reverse. Let's let's take a film that is already uh, gritty and make it palatable for children. Okay. I, for one, uh, would be interested in a magic school bus variant of Inception. Oh, okay. You gotta yeah. You want to break the little minds. Yeah. Well, you want to explore these people's dreams and get mm-hmm. their secrets just see what they're hiding in there um you know and it's all animated and you've got the what's the teacher called i've never seen the magic school bus neither have i <laughs> she's mrs frisbee or whoever and uh, yeah. and it's very exciting and she's gonna tell you all about the subconscious and uh, there's a lot to learn <laughs> yeah what what's the plot of the film though because obviously it's all about like i mean what's the what plot of inception like... andy they're trying to find out. Box? They're trying to find out the thing that the guy knows. <laughs> Fine, translate that straight across. They need to find out the thing that the guy knows, except this time it's candy related. Right. <laughs> and, and when they break in, are they, are they still? Is there all the time dilation stuff still? Are they all like, um, you know, they're falling? But then that, that 10 seconds in one dream is 100 seconds in the next dream. Definitely. Yeah, stack it. Kids won't even blink. Crazier stuff like then that happens on like the Powerpuff Girls. And it'll yeah. be cheaper and easier to animate it than it was to like, uh, you know, build all their crazy sets and, and CGI all the stuff they did. <laughs> Jerry's only got one second left in the, uh, in the toy car, two levels up. So we've only got 100 seconds to gather all these candy canes. <laughs> Come Time on, for kids. a sing song. <laughs> Let's get those spirits up. <laughs> 100 seconds, that's plenty for a song. Yeah. <laughs> if you're dreaming and you know it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I was thinking of... Wait, was that... No, that wasn't James Cameron. I'm thinking of someone else. But I'm thinking of James Cameron, and so I want to talk about Titanic. Ooh. Um. So, obviously, that's a rom-com, and a slightly strange choice if you think about it for a rom-com. Uh, One of history's you know, greatest a, a tragedies. Giant... Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's actually change it back to a sort of disaster type film in the vein of, do you know Sully? Also with Tom Hanks as a theme here. Heard um, of, but honestly, whenever anyone says Sully, I just think about the hairy guy from Monsters, Inc. So... <laughs> but he's the guy who landed the plane on the Hudson River um, and like there were no casualties and it was like kind of a miracle. Oh, wow. But um, when like both the, I think both the plane engines failed. Um, anyway, so you do that. So it's focused on the captain of the Titanic. Um but it's still sort of the same time scale as the original Titanic. Mm-hmm. So there's just a long, long run-up where he's just, like, attending dinners. He's just, like, sitting in his room, like, doing a crossword. He's, like, smoking a pipe, looking out thoughtfully. Yeah. Um, occasionally you'll glimpse, like, some random couple just pissing about at the end of the boat. And he's like, damn, kids, get out the end of the boat. <laughs> You're not allowed up there. I don't care if you came the world. <laughs> Uh, and then just like, you know, the last, what is it, like 30 minutes or something in Titanic is just him really screwing up mm-hmm. and uh, just everyone hating him. And, and then it's the end. Yes, it would be one of those like, like he'd win some awards at Cannes or something, you know, not yeah. not a traditional three act structure, a lot of like really slow lingering shots and then just a load of like really jarring action, but without any yeah, music. It, w- 
it would probably be in black and white, mm-hmm. um, and there'd just be a lot of seagulls cawing, and uh, even though they're like way out to sea, so there probably aren't many seagulls. <laughs> they <find laughs> They've added those in in post, um, but yeah. Yeah, no, I dig that. I think that's very good. <laughs> I like the idea of taking um, just existing exciting films. <laughs> and making them really boring. Because honestly, there's such a tendency... When you do that with an original story, um, then you're an artist, right? Mm-hmm. And then people will argue over whether this is like legitimate good art or whether you're just being poncy, you know, and, and who knows. But at least it's original, it's your story. Um, something that people do commonly with fan fiction is they'll take something that's either sometimes already exciting or, you know, populist, um, but, but not enough. And then they will make it more exciting by adding like, oh, now the Power Rangers come in, you know, or like, and it's, <laughs> it's more erotically charged. But what you don't get enough, I think, is fan fiction that is more dull. Or, or maybe it's, maybe the world is full of it. I don't know. Maybe I just don't run across it. I guess people people probably do write stuff where it's like Edward and Bella just going shopping for the weekend. <laughs> I don't know. Do they? I bet there's someone who's got a very niche fandom of just like if like exciting romances were just like day to day. Like, oh, we've got to do all these jobs before the end of the week because your mother-in-law's coming over. You know what? That might be what society is ready for because like mm. paranormal romance with its. Um, extremely high stakes like you know i love him he's the he's the hottest teenager i've ever met but also he could rip my throat out at any moment and that really gets me going you know that's like Mm -hmm. the that's their baseline and then drama happens on top of that that caters to the desire you know among young people and people generally to like to be special to be living an adventure for exciting stuff to happen but have we not had enough adventure like as a generation are we getting (laughs) to the point where we're tired of things that make the front page news and you know that change our world and we're tired of being told that you could be anything you wanted like ah we're growing up now and actually it kind of sucks and i just wish i like could make rent and pay my bills and i just want a story about people who are fine and they just they go shopping and it's okay it's kind of like the shift there was a you know especially in early lockdown there was very much a sense of like we want to experience like cozy things like you know comforting things and not necessarily the kind of darker stuff Mm -hmm. um so yeah you just make these you still make it supernatural so they're like i'm dating a werewolf and uh, there's a uh, love triangle with a goose i don't know um but they're they're doing this this whole a goose, and it's a goose uh, 29 days of the month and a man too um anyway so that this is all going on and then they just go out for days you know days out and they spend time in log cabins and just snuggle yeah uh, and you just watch them have a nice time there's not that much drama occasionally they'll get a bit miffed at each other but then they'll make up and you're like this is nice yeah there's like two episodes just them baking cookies <laughs> yeah yeah because there's obviously the there's the slow tv have you seen any slow tv oh i haven't what's this it's kind of this is a i think it kind of started in scandinavia because i, I think they start they started by uploading or broadcasting it was just a video of a train going from one uh, city in maybe it was Sweden or Norway to another one and it just goes through all these like incredible mountains and it's just a camera stuck on the front of a train and you watch it in real time and it takes like four hours um, and you can you can find these videos on, on YouTube mm-hmm. and they are like just really relaxing to watch um, if you don't you know if you just want to chill out and you, or you'll have you want something on in the background um, so yeah you, you could make slow films where it's more, it's more like an experience than a 
than a this happens then this happens and it's not really plot driven. I'm on board. I'm very much on board. Yeah, why the heck not? Like ASMR for the mind, presumably, where, where um well, no, not even, but like Yeah. <laughs> the point is that the internet and modern culture not not just the internet, but I do feel like it's um the internet, streaming services, the the existence of stuff being developed on YouTube and then becoming more mainstream, etc., is allowing for all these like not that there weren't new genres before, but I feel like there's been kind of a cultural explosion. You can find mm-hmm. whatever the heck you want. Yeah. Now, yeah. what if we, we're talking about existing films being transformed? What if we take something that traditionally relies on those hard-hitting gunfights, swear words, um, blood explosions, you know, all very stressful <laughs> things, um, but we make it palatable, palatable not only to like, Pum-a-ba-ba. we make it uh, <laughs> not just to you know stressed out adults, but but to children as well. Um, mm. Just fun for the family. Tarantino, is... <laughs> famously yes, family friendly. <laughs> well, he's not right. But what if you repackaged him as family friendly? I'm curious about how. I don't know how the sensors work exactly. It's my impression that they just have like a check, like a. Like a grading sheet, I assume. Like, you know, or they said the F word, you know, that, that bumps it up. Or like, they did this, you know, too much of this, that that bumps the rating up. Or, you know, or a nickel, mm-hmm. right? And it was on a woman, can't have it, <laughs> etc. cetera. Uh, I want to know how many of those boxes Tarantino would tick and how much stuff you would have to strip out um, to make it, you know, PG rated. And... Like- I think you'd probably have to replace a lot of the blood with custard. Yes, or that gunk, like from Nickelodeon, <laughs> just the slime. And every time someone gets, you know, gunked, uh, there's like a big cheer, like, hey! <laughs> that would help, I think, yeah. And you, you could replace uh, a lot of the slurs in, say, um, Django Unchained with just like yay noises. Or uh-huh. That would be a lot similar. of yay noises. It would be a <laughs> lot. Honking sound effects. Yeah. I don't know. Mm. You could figure it out. But like, in so doing, because are we in danger of underappreciating Tarantino's craft by being, you know, so dazzled by the... Because these films get bloody. Like, it goes mm. everywhere. Yeah. Um, but, you know, maybe that is just dazzling us to the point that we don't see what this master storyteller is really trying to tell us underneath. I, I think maybe if we peeled back some of those layers, um, got rid of, like, all the foot fetish stuff... I don't know, actually. Maybe that goes over the kids' heads. That's Maybe pretty that's PG. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. You can look at women's feet. That's allowed. Um, yeah, and just just leave the, the core of what makes Tarantino so great, and we can educate the younger generation that way. Or it might reveal that actually Tarantino relies a bit too much on the blood and stuff, and we'd be like, ah, oh, this isn't very good. <laughs> no, 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 I don't think so. There's something in there. We just need to okay. go digging. <laughs> Team America, for example, that famous parable for the modern age, mm. um, my understanding is that they got i think they got some stuff past the censors uh, that they weren't expecting to yeah because they were puppets yes right like there was that whole sex scene right? there was and it's my understanding that they put in a lot of far crazier stuff that got cut but some of the stuff that they were left with that they were allowed to keep they were like oh wow this was a joke like we thought you guys were gonna strip that out we just did this for the jollies <laughs> we can keep that okay fine let's go into the movie <laughs> So, yeah, is it possible to just tire the censors out? Just, like, overwhelm them? Because there's people in an office at the end of the day. 
Yeah, you go through so many revisions that uh, eventually there's like, we've been doing this for six months back and forth. You crammed it so full of... Of filth, of, honestly. Of smut that uh, at this point, we've cut out half the smut and uh, we're, we're happy with that. It's a you. <laughs> we're, gonna, yeah, we're calling it even. <laughs> <laughs> the toddlers will love it. Show it at Christmas. Oh. But thinking of um, kind of... Uh, bloody films or violent films with some of the edge taken off. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you seen Mad Max, the most recent one, Fury Road? I haven't seen any Mad Max. Uh, oh. The extent of my knowledge is it's in Australia and people drive around in spiky cars. <laughs> it's kind of that's kind of the film. I'd recommend seeing it, but only on like a really big screen. So maybe if it's like on a cinema as a repeat okay. somewhere. Um, but like the whole premise of of it is that they're driving across this massive desert in these enormous, like, souped-up tanks slash cars, just, like, belching fumes. There's all these mad people chasing them on, like, bikes, and they're on, like, weird, almost, like, circus things with chainsaws and guns and stuff. Mm. Um, but I think you could you could rephrase it as an indie road trip drama. <laughs> so you, you could probably cast Timothy Chalamet in it, um, and like Max meets this manic pixie dream girl, Furiosa. He's mm-hmm. like, ooh, oh, she's so deep and interesting and definitely a real person. Um, <laughs> and uh, th- they go on this road trip through the desert to try and like, he tries to find himself, um, all while like gazing wistfully out of the window. Mm-hmm. But there's still all the like gunfire and stuff and, and people like whizzing past. But you don't really focus on them. He's like gazing out the window and there's a person goes past with a chainsaw and he just keeps staring like, yeah, oh man, life is so deep. Yeah, wow. You got some funky indie tune in the background and yeah, yeah the narrator like comes on and then it, it'll like pause and then he'll be like, but that's not really what he was thinking about. <laughs> yeah, and like they, they'll like, you know, lean over and like, They'll just like very gently like hold hands as someone like hits the bonnet and like goes straight over the back, <laughs> just completely oblivious to it all. I would be very interested in that. That'd be great. Yeah, like using those those unnecessarily good effects because man, with the stunts and the CGI and everything, like it's crazy, super good. Um, to the extent that now they're quite happily just carrying entire films with that, like. You know, Transformers, whatever. There's, there's all these franchises where it's basically like, do we need a story? Like, characters? Are we saying it? No, it doesn't matter. Get Michael Bay and blow stuff up. <laughs> um, but yeah, combine it with, uh, like, have that in the background with a, you know, yeah. a relatable story about people. Yeah, so you got you got something for everyone. Something for the kids uh, if they want to see explosions and something for the adults if they want to see Timothy Chalamet and uh, Saoirse Ronan. I think that's a marvellous idea. Now, um, speaking of the over-reliance on special effects, here's another idea. Mm-hmm. Um, superhero films. I'm not a massive fan of most of them myself, um, but you know, to each their own. Certainly they're making uh, a lot of cash and a lot of people are very happy, presumably, with these big blockbuster um, you know, CGI fests. At least some of them do very well, some of them do terribly. Bit of a mixed bag. But point is... We there's I think an, yeah an accepted phenomenon that um, we're kind of a bit too reliant on the special effects. Michael Bay springs to mind once again. What if um, you start a new line of superhero films and it is just kids playing pretend? So right, so so are there special effects or is it just you're filming some kids? The special <laughs> effects are the kids going meow pew 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 pew. <laughs> <laughs> and they're not you don't okay. even cast I'm, I'm not talking about um let me be clear i don't want to cast a kid 
as the Hulk and another kid as Captain America and what? No, no, no. This is just kids playing. And, you know, one of them will declare loudly that he's the Hulk. And then he will get into a fight <laughs> with another kid who is already the Hulk. And, and you can't have more than one Hulk, of course. And mm-hmm. um, and there would be a lot of like, pew, pew, I shot you. I'm Hawkeye. I never miss. And the other one's like, no, you didn't. I'm Doctor Strange. I went back in time. You can't hear me. Ha, ha, ha. You know, there'd be a lot of that. And uh, yep. kids ultimately, I don't think you'd even have to script very much. They've got a lot of energy. Uh, children of the future, frankly. Um, you cannot beat their creative spirit. And I think these these fuddy-duddies and their boardrooms and their, and their you know, scripts written by committee, they've been trying to emulate that pure childish glee of uh the superhero story event in, in the end is is a power fantasy and that's what these kids are enjoying and i say we just you know we would just watch that in a not creepy way yeah <laughs> yeah and you know you'd never have to deal with the fact that um you know with heroes dying off because uh when kids are playing <laughs> they they never they're you know it's never like haha i got you good you're you're out of this playtime now mm-hmm. dr strange they're like no, <laughs> I I am still alive somehow. <laughs> you missed. And I'm gonna hit you in the face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're very hard to kill. Like your average child, mm, extremely resilient. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Did you see? Oh. Now this is um intrusion of real life into a nonsense verse for a moment. Um, but it's sufficiently nonsensical, I think. Did you hear about the Battle of the Joshes? No. Oh, What's that? It's a treat. Honestly, one of the best things to come out of the last possibly decade (laughs) wow okay i just it's it's the sort of thing that makes me very happy with humanity with the internet just like i look at it and i'm like yes that gives me hope uh and it manages on several levels at once so this is great i invite um the listeners to look it up if they don't already know about it so basically uh about a year ago so near the start of lockdown this guy called josh swain uh allegedly just in a fit of lockdown boredom um, he searched Facebook for other people who shared his name mm-hmm. and he started a group convo with a, like, I don't know, a couple of dozen Josh Swains. Yeah. And he told them like this screen cap out there became a meme. Um, so you can find it quite easily. It's something like, uh, you're probably wondering why I've gathered you all here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> in exactly one year on this date, meet at these coordinates <laughs> Uh, and we will battle to the death to determine <laughs> who gets to keep the name. That's amazing. Yeah. And, you know, it was just like this guy was joking around on his Twitter or what have you. Um, but the meme took off, became super popular. And it was like one of the... Remember when Tumblr was going to storm Area 51? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. And that the internet didn't like super deliver on that one. Um, mm. And this was a similar thing where people were like counting down, you know, they're like, oh, it's only two months till the Josh fight because it had like a specific date and a specific location. People were like, you know, friendly reminder, PSA is one week till the Josh fight. <laughs> and uh, the thing is, it gained so much attention and momentum and OP delivered original Josh Swain um, was like, guys, we can make something of this. And he did. They had a massive event. They had to move it because the original location was just coordinates chosen at random and it was on some farmer's land and he was like, no, I want it here. They moved it to like a nearby park. He had to travel across America to like get there because he was states away apparently. And Brilliant. about a thousand people, I think, like traveled in. He arrived on the day not having any clue if people were going to show up. <laughs> but what he, he, he put up posts on Reddit and stuff beforehand, like we're going to have the Josh fight. 
But um, I don't want to be responsible for any violence, so it is going to be pool noodle based. If you're going to show up, <laughs> wear a mask and bring a pool noodle, and we will fight to determine the ultimate Josh. And they did it. They live streamed it. There's videos. It made the news. They turned it into a huge food donation drive for like wow. a local food bank. And they also started a, um, uh, a donation drive for all the other Joshes to legally change their names once Ultimate Josh had been crowned. <laughs> that was the jokey title, but it was actually going to a children's oh. hospital. They raised oh. so much money. And one of the Josh Swains owns like a vineyard or something. And he like uh, doubled the donation amount single handed. Like it just turned into this huge wow. humanitarian effort. And they had the huge Josh fight with the pool noodles. That it was super exciting. And the winner is little Josh. He's like the seven-year-old kid. <laughs> oh. Yeah. And he was so happy. And someone had brought along like a crown. And someone had brought along like a wrestler belt. And they crowned him ultimate Josh. And it was oh, just... that's so cute. Right? Like how remarkable that like a completely crowdsourced thing during a pandemic, like everyone wore their masks... There were no incidents. There was no violence. Nobody, you know, arrived and just shot everybody. Like nothing bad happened. And all this unexpected good happened. I was thrilled, honestly. I look forward to that documentary. Hopefully when it comes out. I wouldn't be surprised. I bet, yeah, Netflix probably already has the rights. Well, speaking of fighting, uh, I'm going to go with Gladiator. Um, you seen Gladiator? I have, a while ago. I was entertained. Aha, when you've seen. <laughs> I was entertained. Are you not entertained? I am. Um, so, uh, yes, uh, obviously with Russell Crowe as a gladiator, um, former Roman general who's kind of pressed into the gladiatorial arena by uh, Emperor something. Um, and, uh, yeah, but we can we can redo this as a sports underdog film. So oh, Rocky style. Uh, or kind of like um, dodgeball, maybe. Mm. So Maximus heads to the Colosseum to make his fortune. Uh, maybe it starts off really badly. He might even lose an arm in his first fight because mm. um, he's so rubbish at fighting. Um, so he joins a group of other would-be gladiators who've been also horrifically maimed in the fights. And together they start their own ragtag gladiatorial team using their unique and unconventional fighting style to battle their way to the championship cup of, of gladiators. <laughs> And a shot at the big time. Yes, because there's a certain amount of... You get these, like, sports films, and they tend to be modern-day-ish, I think. You don't you don't get so many set in, like, historical periods, right? I guess uh, the, the big one would be Ben-Hur. It was, like, you know, chariot racing. Um, but beyond that, I don't really... Yeah, they tend to be modern. Mm. All right, I see a gap in the market there. Yeah. I dig it. Yeah, yeah and it's, uh, it's more comedic. Presumably. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, you know, plenty of blood for the the blood fans. You got it. Um, <laughs> but that's very much in the background. It's more kind of, yeah, slapstick, uh, you know, sort of Monty Python chopped all your limbs off kind of thing. It is but a flesh wound. Yeah. Yeah. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a guy with a trident. That's a dodgeball thing, right? Dodging a wrench. I've not seen it. I, I did, but like many, many years ago. Can't remember. I think that's a dodgeball thing. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Okay, yeah, I'm sold. I'm sold. Comedy, gladiator, sports underdog, that's good. Um, now, I won't lie, I'm still kind of on the kids' train, um, <laughs> so to speak. But, but Adriani, you wouldn't fit, it's too small. <laughs> I had to buy three tickets. I'm taking up a whole room by myself. Um, heist films, we already mentioned this uh, with fairy tales, but like, imagine how fun like Ocean's Eleven would be 
if you combined like have you seen Ocean's Eleven or any of the oceans? How many oceans have you uh, seen? I've, I've seen. I think I've seen Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. Okay, so it, it's like the prototypical. I'm sure there's many others, but you know, like. Um, you know, explaining the plan and like getting the team together and like, oh, you, I'm retired and like, nah, one last heist, etc. Um, you do that, but you combine it with something like Daddy Daycare. Uh-huh. One of these movies where like, the, I've not seen that. I don't think I've seen any of these movies, honestly, but uh, you, you can tell what's up by the poster and the trailer. I'm pretty sure much of the humor is driven by the fact that uh, normally a bloke, I think, because males don't parent, right? We know this. Um, and, and he's just overwhelmed because, oh, too many kids. And uh, yep. what are you going to do? Uh, so, yeah, like daddy daycare's 11 or whatever. Like 11 is a lot of kids <laughs> and he's got to plan a heist. Like, you know, and then his gang bails on him yeah. and he has to bring the kids instead and it's just capers ensue. I'm surprised this hasn't been made already, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, maybe it has, actually. The more I describe it, it sounds it, the more like it sounds something. real. Yeah. With quite a lot of these things, it was quite hard to come up with these ideas because you go like, ah, but what if we flip this film and go, oh, but then it's that film. Turns out the bottom uh, which, of the barrel has already been, been scraped. Yeah. yeah, it's just like, Hollywood seems to like doing like this film but with a twist. <laughs> and they just keep twisting so it's all knotted up and like, where did this come from? This horrible <laughs> tangled mess of rope that we've got here. It's true. Yeah, I suspect it's only our ignorance that's kept us this safe. And I, there's probably listeners listening to this and just being like, you you idiots have just described, you know, insert very <laughs> obvious film here. Yeah, yeah, probably, dear listener. But I haven't seen it, so I'm sorry. Yeah. I was thinking of The Social Network, mm-hmm. um, which is obviously about Facebook's kind of Genesis, uh, with Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> I coding. I say genocide for some reason. Oh, no. That's the sequel. <laughs> that's, it's yet to I happen. I don't think that's happened. Yeah, I don't think it's happened yet. Um, but you could re- re-pitch the social network as a pandemic film. Ooh. So, like Contagion. So, you've got a team of scientists that are battling to contain the rise of Facebook in college campuses around the world. So, it's like, oh my god, it's spreading. There's people in lab coats, like, running around saying, my god, it's reached Japan. <laughs> and they, they all look very tense. And they're just, like, you know, frantically coding to try and contain the, uh, the social network. Yeah, I, you know what? That's a good like social parable as well. Um, mm. Yeah, social media is, is much like a disease in many ways. Have you seen the uh, beardless filter that's going around? Beardless filter? Yeah, this is just totally it, it takes your beard off. Yeah, pretty much. It's like it's quite good at simulating skin and flesh. At least I only saw it used on like white dudes, so I don't know how good it is at other skin colors. I'm imagining people have immediately used that for non-PG purposes. Oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, almost <laughs> certainly. Um, but anyway, the fun thing about it is that it's also kind of the the overweight filter because it will, like... if you, like it, It's not good at estimating where your chin would end. So right. if you have a long beard, it's just like, oh, that's all flesh, presumably. So it will just, like, <laughs> oh my God. give you a big old chin. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, fun to be had. Anyway, that's uh, totally unrelated. doesn't matter. But you could probably make a film out of it. I don't know. Uh, stack enough filters, <laughs> you can make things entertaining. Um, <laughs> but that's silly. That's silly. And I don't want any more silly. What about this? We'll do the opposite of silly. Take an action film. Take Die Hard 4 or Fast and Furious 7 or whatever. It's, you know, like one of these mm-hmm. pure action fests. But you re-spin it as like a pretentious artsy experimental piece of cinema black and white for no reason the slow lingering shots we talked about it with the guy from titanic i want that to the max but you know it's like it's bruce willis but he's like 
pausing as he's climbing through the vents to just like look through at a photocopier that is just like going by itself. And we just watch it for like 25 seconds, single tear down his cheek, and then he continues. <laughs> yeah. And there, there could be like um, all the action actually takes place off screen. So, you know, the, the camera is focused on the photocopier just like going through and you hear like the gunshots and, and the fights. And that's how they all happen. Yes, exactly. Like the, the camera is sat on the ground next to this like dandelion, super in focus, like really sharp, nice shot of this flower. And then you only realize after many seconds of this that like the blurs in the background are like the cars involved in the police chase, like whipping by super fast, <laughs> completely out of focus. But uh, we do see like a single petal fall off the flower. So, huh, yeah, that could work quite well. I think so. Or we take it another way. So um, traditionally, period stuff gets kind of a free pass to being higher brow because like history, right? Even if it's like super inaccurate. Um, Mm -hmm. But what if you actionify it, right? So you have told me that Pride and Prejudice and Zombies is a thing. Yeah. What's to stop, you know, an adaptation of Little Women, but like dumb Birds of Prey style? Oh, okay. Right, like a, a feminist story for our ages. We we've got all these. All, I I I'll be honest. I don't super know what Little Women is about. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm very ignorant. Uh, I think. Oh, I've seen I've seen Little Women. It's it's like set in the Civil War, and it's about the family of like four daughters, I think. Okay. And their mother's still at home, and their dad's gone off to fight in the war, and it's just them sort of as they grow up and kind of deal with various problems it's, it's good though i've heard it's very good and i i sort of have it just categorized in my head along with a load of stuff by jane austen and so on like they're, they're typically because they're from periods of history where women were significantly more downtrodden um there's a lot of like you know but mama why do i have to marry this guy and you know mm-hmm. a lot of like the struggles of women at the time and birds of prey is a bunch of women struggling in a much more modern different action oriented way and i think maybe we could bridge that gap and also i think the action sequences would look really cool with those old-timey dresses yeah i i'm sort of imagining sort of um uh, you could have a new genre you know obviously there's like steampunk and uh, cyberpunk you could have i don't know what you call it edwardian punk maybe but like you've got these big dresses and then underneath like fold out mech suits um so they're like they're like a mech suit but they've got all these like big frills and like you know the 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 large kind of bustles is that what they're called um and like the trains on the dresses yeah uh and yeah just whirling around in a big old uh fabricy steel mess you could do it right yeah because i mean there's a there's a thing where like on the one hand there's the sort of Dresses were invented, you know, by men to give women a certain shape and they're so impractical and you know, very true. Um, trousers, a liberation, frankly. And uh, and pockets, man, wait till women get hold of pockets. They're going to lose their <laughs> minds. Every time Flora finds that a dress has pockets, she is, uh, like, so excited. Right? Sometimes they make skirts with pockets and it's like, yeah, there's so much space in a skirt, like, among those folds and things. Put a pocket. I mean, you know, mm. unless it's like a tight pencil skirt, but point is, there could be more pockets. Um, anyway, yeah, so, but but also on the other hand, like, pretty old-timey dress, you know, like, there's a reason wedding dresses look like what they do. People want to look fabulous, and that's fair enough as well. So, <laughs> you can combine those desires, I think, to a certain degree. They kind of already did it in... One of the Shreks, there's like an action sequence with the like Disney princess knockoffs. They're doing like martial oh, arts yeah. and their dresses and stuff. I just want that mm-hmm. for like a whole film. Maybe it's already been done. Yeah. 
in um, Pirates and Adventure with Scientists, which is like the Aardman film, the Queen Victoria's in it. And, you know, she's got like her famous quite sort of dumpy figure, mm-hmm. you know, with the big skirt and stuff. And it's like, <laughs> it turns out that that entire shape is sort of like a metal... Um, uh, contraption with, with which she can like take off. I I can't remember. <laughs> is she just like a hamster <laughs> driving around a like a mech? No, on? but she's like she's actually really slim, and it's just she's sort of wearing this thing which seems to bulk her out a bit, and she like does martial arts and stuff. Oh, I see. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I gather that like some of those old dresses you had to like climb into, like they had to be mm. built around you, and the giant wigs and stuff. Like Marie Antoinette, I did. Yeah, it's nuts though. So obviously, the the problem is that this would then present a new unrealistic, like, you know, the way, like, I like, uh, I already said I don't much like um, superhero movies, but I really like the uh, Batman trilogy Chris Nolan did, the Dark Knight ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they've got um, Catwoman, that's the one. Um, yeah, doing backflips in heels. Because absolutely, <laughs> right? Which, like, I'm sure is possible. Like, some tiny percentage of highly trained stunt artists are capable of doing that. But it's, you know, in comic comics will make you believe that anyone can do that or that that is, like, a reasonable thing to aspire to. So there's a bit of a danger of, you know, teaching people that uh, these giant dresses, it's like, yeah, you should be able to do karate and that. What's stopping you? But um, yeah. films are escapist fantasy as well sometimes. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't think we need to worry about um <laughs> about, about you know uh, the unrealistic expectations of women. It's like why can't why can't you jump do a backflip in high heels? <laughs> I'm concerned on, people aren't going to take me seriously enough when I finally make this my magnum opus, <laughs> <laughs> Little Women of Prey, working title. Nice, nice. <laughs> well, speaking of kind of um, if we flip that and we go for a, what is seen as a, kind of a, a masculine film, I guess. Um, which is The Martian, because mm. uh, it's mostly just, you know, Andy, what's his face, on on Mars, uh, just kind of doing botany for most Andy of it. I think the name of the author, but oh, it, the it author? may as well be his author insert. <laughs> what, I'm sure he what, sees what himself ever. like that. <laughs> Matt Damon. Matt Damon is on, is on Mars. That's the guy. Um, but in his quest to survive, will he find something worth dying for? So it's a rom-com, basically. On Mars, um, by himself. Yeah, well, yeah, but the 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 film kind of um, part of it is that he invents like or like cobbles together this um, uh, communications device so that he can talk to NASA back on Earth, mm-hmm. which is basically like using this old camera and he can like point to different um, symbols and like they figure out that it's hexadecimal code and basically they can like talk to him very slowly like every eight minutes through this thing. It's very smart. Um, I remember it being ex- I read the book and it explained it and I was like, oh, that's really smart. And then I immediately forgot how it worked. Yeah, yeah. So you've got that, um, but then at the other end, there's a very attractive, uh, you know, scientist at NASA, and right. he or she is sending the messages back, mm-hmm. and they they form this connection. It's basically like you've got mail, but in space. Um, and it and it ends with with the scientist giving up everything and, and actually coming to Mars to be with him, <laughs> rather than him him going back to Earth, because quite often in rom coms, it's like, oh, I, I you know, I'm so in love with you, I'm going to give up my entire life. And just drop it and come and be with you. Um, this is the thing which happens in in all sorts of, of rom coms. Yeah. So you just have that but extreme, like rather than you like coming back to Earth, I'm just going to go live on Mars for however long we've got left. I love it. The drama. It, you yeah. Know, and they're running the, across the launch site. They're like, "Stop that rocket! I need to get on." Yeah. Or maybe like they they go and the, the intention is to um is to save Matt Damon from Mars, but they realize he's not. 
you know, he's not going to make it, that he's not going to make it in time. So the person on the, the scientist on the spaceship is like, you know what? I don't care. I'm going, if he's not coming up, I'm going down. And they uh, strap into the rocket and, you know, the, the, I don't know what capsule they'd have, or they just jump out um, <laughs> the and, like, parachute down that. to Mars. Yeah. That's brilliant. And it, it opens the road for sequels because, like, now they've got to survive there together, presumably consuming twice as much food. And, yeah. you know, and now it's about. But they've got, but they've got twice as much poop, so it's okay. <laughs> That's true. But, you know, yeah, like the next mission and, you know, eventually they have kids, obviously. And uh, yep. like maybe by the third movie, Bridget Jones's baby style. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot there. Eventually it's just <laughs> like the Jetsons. Another person comes to try and rescue them both and they end up stuck on Mars. And then there's an awkward love triangle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, which team are you on? I... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he's a werewolf. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah and the problem is... <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say something incredibly stupid, Andy. I was going to say the problem is Mars has four moons. And then I realized I have no idea <laughs> how many moons Mars has. And that's a real fact people can look up. Yeah. Uh, how many moons does Mars have? I'm going to look it is up it right two? now. I refuse to toil in ignorance. How many moons does Mars have? Two There's moons, two. yeah. Phobos and Deimos. Ah, okay. Well, I was only off by two. But that's <laughs> You're only off by 100%. That still seems like a recipe for disaster, though. That's twice as much uh, wolf per were. Or were per wolf. <laughs> wolf per, yeah. How many How many wares can I get out of this wolf? <laughs> how, many, how much is it per were? <laughs> it's a problem. Anyway, what, so that's, that's incredible, actually. That might be our winning franchise. Forget about <laughs> um, <laughs> Little Women... Uh, what was it? Of Prey. Although, I do like the idea of keeping the old school dialogue in that. I didn't mention mm-hmm. that, but you know like when Basil Luhrmann did a remake of Romeo and Juliet and it was modern day, but they kept the Shakespearean dialogue? Yes. Yeah, yeah we're yeah. going to do that. It's going to be Civil War dialogue, uh, but also karate. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> yeah, stuff in space. I, actually, period dramas in space, we tend to meet a lot of... Um, like, okay, The Martian is kind of an odd one out because it's like a... Well, no, okay. You get a genre of like more realistic, like Apollo... 13 or whatever you know like kind of present yeah. day or near future space then you get like far out like who even knows space and it's all about like crazy futuristic technology and you meet like really advanced alien races or i think a lot in um star trek and stuff again haven't seen any of it but uh here i am making sweeping generalizations <laughs> uh i think they they did a lot of like social commentary and stuff and and it a lot of it involved meeting like suspiciously humanoid races almost as though they were played <laughs> by interns and extras and rubber masks um uh, that were either like super advanced or like cavemen um but there's a lot of time in between like what about like the tudors but aliens you know so you get all these period dramas, like take you to another time, another place, when people dressed in roughs and things like, ah, oh, crazy and alien, not alien enough. I want to see, you know, Shakespeare in love in space. <laughs> in space. Basically, you're just going to add in space to every <laughs> every film title. <laughs> I've got this great new idea, guys. We're going to make a million. <laughs> well, there's only like seven stories, right? Didn't Aristotle or someone say that? So we're very much uh, rehashing the same stuff regardless. And uh, setting does a lot. So I think you could pull the wool over people's eyes to a certain degree. Yeah. yeah, just put stuff in what space. Are, what, what are the seven stories? We've got Heist. We've got uh, Michael Bay films. <laughs> we've, got, we've got Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, that's uh... a genre of stuff, definitely. 
and then the other fork. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We've got we've got animated <laughs> kids film with a load of celebrities um, voicing just you know the Angry Birds or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Pa- oh yeah, wasn't no that wasn't that was the Emoji movie where Patrick Stewart was the poo emoji. Oh my god. Yeah, I mean the thing is. Have fun, you know? I'm sure he had a whale of a time. Like, I, we can't make him just do serious highbrow things. Like, I'm sure they just want to kick back and, and voice a poop emoji sometimes. Maybe he heard it as the bird emoji and he was like, oh, that doesn't sound too bad. And uh, instead it was something that rhymed with bird. Because, uh, you know, they, they animate it afterwards. He didn't know. Oh, yeah. There's a chance. Yeah, maybe they told him it was going to be a completely different emoji. Maybe he doesn't even know what an emoji is. Or maybe being ageist. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, so, Prince of Egypt. You, you know the animated one about the biblical story? <laughs> the more into this segment I get, the more I realise that we've seen entirely different sets of films. <laughs> <laughs> Have you not seen the Prince of Egypt? No. That's fine. Um, anyway, you know the story of Moses? Yeah, uh, sure, yeah. Okay, yeah. and uh, the various plagues that afflicted Egypt. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, in brief, for anyone who happens to not know this Old Testament story, um... Moses, uh, God's like chosen prophet, but before then he gets abandoned in a basket on the Nile, picked up by the Pharaoh's family and adopted and becomes a prince of Egypt. So he's living it up, marble pillars and all the rest of it, absolutely loving life. Uh, and then eventually he like leaves, <laughs> goes on a journey, talks to a burning bush, meets some like peasants and stuff, comes back and is like, oh no, I'm on like the side of the Israelites now. Or I think the slave, you know, like whatever ethnic minority was being enslaved. Um, so mm. that they can have all their big pyramids and everything. And he's like, and also I talk to God now. And he says, I need to free these people. Uh, so he goes back to the Pharaoh, his brother, who's now inherited the throne. And is like, hey, bro, so we had like a good pass and everything. I'm not actually home to like chill um, and take up my place. <laughs> Just got back from my gap year. Yeah. <laughs> I went on this incredible gap year. And, uh, <laughs> and what I learned is you've got to let my people go. And the Pharaoh is like, absolutely not. And he's like, well, okay, I warned you. And then terrible plagues befall. Um, many people, you know, it, it, you get frogs, locusts, uh, the, all the livestock die, uh, and then eventually everyone's firstborns die, and that's what really, uh, you know, clinches it, is that God massacres everyone's firstborn child, and the Pharaoh's like, all right, you, you can go. And then he gets angry, and then he chases him down, because how could you do this? And then, you know, the whole thing with parting the ocean, drowning him, it's, it's a whole thing. Good movie. Recommend. <laughs> Moses recounting this tale at the end of his life. Oh, it was a whole thing. Oh. <laughs> That's when he gets to heaven. He's like at the pearly gates. And St. Peter is like, wow. Like eyebrows raised. And Moses is like, God, yeah. Have you... God, right? You talk to the guy. What do he make you do? <laughs> anyway, point is, that is just crying out to be made into like a prank wars type thing. You know, right? <laughs> like jackass, kind of, I guess. Or like, the, you know, you get all these prank channels on social media, on YouTube and stuff. Or, or like a, you know, like, oh, he still won't let my people go. I'll come back with the locusts. He's not gonna, you know. <laughs> or, or a Super Size Me style documentary, like with this one, like hapless, befuddled citizen. Uh, just at the mercy of like a higher power and you know on the one hand it's like capitalism and the fast food industry on the other hand it's like an omnipotent deity making you their you know their pawn i just think you know there's a synergy there so wait would would all the the plagues be happening to them what they all happen to the egyptians and he's the prankster Oh, so Mo- right. Okay, so Moses is the uh, is the prankster. I it's see. Either, I see. either he's like a puckish prankster, like oh, they're not going to see this one coming, death of the firstborn, <laughs> or um, <laughs> yeah, it's grim. Um, 
Or he's like, you know, all right, guys, like, major challenge. Um, I just, you know, we live uh, in this benighted age, and I just, I, I think we as a people need to know, so I'm going to go do this investigative thing. I'm going to talk to the burning bush. I'm uh, going to bring back its wisdom. Uh, yes, it might unleash a load of plagues, um, but we're just going to, we're going to go on this journey together. And, uh, you know, you learn a lesson about contemporary society, uh, ancient society in this case. Um, Actually, though, think, <laughs> I like the idea of the prankster, and I think you could apply that to many villains, where it's just like, they just love pranks and they've gone too far. So like Star Wars, Darth Vader like fires up the Death Star and he's like, oh, <laughs> did you see that? <laughs> we absolutely destroyed that planet. Take that, Andromeda Galaxy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And like he's just waiting to tell Luke that he's his dad. He's like, oh man, I have been setting this one up for decades. <laughs> prank of my career. Yeah. Yeah. Like, prank you, cut your hand off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got me good. Yeah, uh, that could be that could be solid, yeah, actually. Just any like sort of yeah, this kind of back and forth like oh, good's got the upper hand now, evil's got the upper hand. Any like which is most kind of like sci-fi and fantasy. A- any of those stories are just like prank wars, like both sides pranking the other, other like yeah. bigger and bigger. Sauron versus yeah, you know Gandalf, Saruman, they're all involved in this thing. Like Frodo just gets kind of caught up in it. Yeah, yeah. It turns out that Gandalf's actually just like best buddies with Sauron and they just like really enjoy winding each other up and like remember when I got knocked off that bridge Uh, you didn't think I'd come back to life though Gandalf the White (laughs) yeah remember when I charged all these horses into your orcs I killed them all (laughs) your face your big eye (laughs) yeah that'd be that'd be awesome that'd be tubular um, okay, so Prince of Egypt. Moving on. Um, twelve Angry Men, or sh- oh, I've got twelve Angry Men. Oh, what would you do with it? <laughs> Mine was going to be a, a really good homoerotic thriller. Oh, tell me more. <laughs> well, so <laughs> so it's just I don't have much on it. I've just written a jury holdout attempts to prevent a miscarriage of justice by forcing his colleagues to reconsider the evidence. But it's not the only tension. Oh, but it's not only the tension about the case that's building. Very nice. Yeah. So he, he, as he gets them on board, they also all um, get on board. Now I'm not going to Google it, <laughs> but it's very possible that there's already a porn parody of Twelve Angry Men because it's kind <laughs> oh. of crying out for it with a title like yeah. that. It's a little too easy. Yeah. It's just Twelve Insert Something Else Men. Twelve Insert yeah. Something Else Men could literally be the title. <laughs> anyway, that's brilliant. Oh, no. Erotically charge it. Why the hell not? I was thinking you could get anything like anything that's like because isn't it filmed in like one room more or less? It's like a yeah, pretty very yeah. dialogue based drama. Um, but you film it Charlie Chaplin style, silent slapstick, and only dialogue cards <laughs> for the whole dialogue heavy film. Yeah, so you got to think real carefully about which bits of that dialogue are actually important because you're only going to get to show like two sentences every twenty seconds or so. Or, or just the whole film is just those dialogue cards. So you don't even need to film anything. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> you like do one very brief bit at the beginning where they come in, and one at the end where they leave. <laughs> yes. Or you just refilm it, but it's silent, and everyone's just frantically scribbling bits of paper and holding them up. <laughs> okay. What about this? The Lion King. They've already tried one remake. It wasn't. Uh, uh, people weren't that hyped. Reimagine it. This time you do it live on stage. I know they've done that too. No, no. This <laughs> mm. time. You do it with Shakespearean actors and dialogue. 
Okay. So just going full on Hamlet. Yep. So you, you just Hamlet. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's a stupid joke. Moving on. Um, all World War stuff. I want this to be an actual rule. All World War stuff has to be fantasy now. You don't get to just keep plumbing that well, you know? You're saving mm. Private Ryan's, you're Dunkirk's. So there's been a lot of great films, fine, but like they just keep on going. Like America <laughs> loves the world wars. They got to be the good guys. We get it. But please <laughs> do something else. So if you're still going to tell those stories, because there's a lot of dramatic stories to be told, absolutely. But now it's, it's got to be orcs and stuff, you know? Or, and you, you know, you're not allowed to do that either because all fantasy is just Tolkien over and over and over. And all the elves are white and all the orcs are, you know, <laughs> and it's all just the same. No, you've got to do something a bit different. It's fantasy. Don't make all the dwarves Scottish. Branch out a bit. <laughs> Irish as well. Ah, there we go, yes. <laughs> We've done it. <laughs> we, did, we did it. Diversity at last. <laughs> uh, and finally, I want to talk a lot about uh, rom-coms. Okay. Now, first, actually, I want to talk about The Matrix. Oh, classic rom-com. Yes. Well, it should be. I was going to cram this one in. You were talking earlier about um, turning action into romance, I think. I don't know. We got sidetracked. It doesn't matter. Point is, (laughs) The Matrix, right? Seminal movie. Um, Groundbreaking in many ways. uh, At least bringing a bunch of stuff into the mainstream, right? Like the bullet effect, the like sci-fi, the CGI combined with the martial arts. It's all very dated now, but like at the time it was like, oh, incredible. And it also brought a certain amount of philosophy into the mainstream because, like, the whole, like, oh, man, dude, but, like, what if we were just, like, brains, like, in vats? Like, you wouldn't even know. That was, you know, like, people have thought of that, absolutely. But now people are like, uh, yeah, like, Matrix, obviously. It's just, you know, commonplace. Mm-hmm. So, could they have taken the represent... the Sorry, could they have taken the opportunity, though, for a pioneering effort at representation of gay polyamory as well. Uh... I'm thinking it specifically... <laughs> Explain how this works. <laughs> I'm thinking specifically about... Because if there's one... Uh, st- you know, if there's one uh, stone you can throw at the Matrix, uh, people didn't like the sequels very much. And I think the problem there is it's not a very human story. They mm-hmm. came up with a cool setting and a cool style, and the people are just... Like, Keanu Reeves is a, is a plank of wood in that. Nobody has any <laughs> goddamn personality... Um, so what is missing is the real human element, but there is a chemistry, I would argue, between Neo and Agent Smith. Oh, yes, Elrond. Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. A.P.A. Elrond. Exactly. Mm. That forehead. So there's, there's a tension, there's something there, there's a spark, and they did not capitalize. And the polyamory comes in because Agent Smith multiplies like crazy. So, you know, when there's like a million of him. So you've got one of Earth's few truly alive humans, you know, the only one, in fact, who can see through all the world's illusions, uh, going enemy to lover, the drama, with uh, the thousands of forms of a glitchy (laughs) manifestation of the uh, sentient AI that is keeping his whole race prisoner. That could work. I think it it would save it, honestly. I've watched those sequels. You could have it as a sort of um, Fifty Shades of Grey type <laughs> scenario. Oh yeah, things could get really interesting because you know that power dynamic. That's uh, that's quite a, quite a difference there. Yeah, yeah, they kind of are. Yeah, and it would be like Agent. You, you know, you play with like Neo in the Matrix, and then out of the Matrix, they find a way to make Agent Smith real. I can't remember whether they ever did that in the films. I don't think I saw the sequels. It doesn't matter. Point is, 
They've probably already done this on fanfic.net. I haven't checked. Um, but yeah. Moving on. More rom-com stuff. <laughs> more? more. <laughs> <laughs> so listen. Um, a lot of rom-coms, particularly... I mean, there's some pretty toxic stories being told, right? About like what true love looks like. Like, have you seen Love Actually? Yeah. I have. There are many, many problems with love. There's actually. a lot of problems, <laughs> and it's not unique in that fact. And it shows you, you know, like, oh, love comes in many forms. Like, this is the one where the and guy wants to cheat terrible. his wife, and this is the one, where, yeah, and they're all terrible. <laughs> like, I don't think there's a good one in the bunch. So, yeah, we're already ready um, to just like switch it into like a full psychological horror, like stalker movie. I don't know if you've seen the Netflix series uh, You, or at least it's on Netflix. Uh, no, I don't believe so. Okay, well, it's called You because it's about a dude who is, a, a, he's a stalker. He's, like, obsessed with this girl. And so it's the story of, like, their romance, but also of him, you know, like, he's full-on crazy. Um, but you see it a lot from his point of view. I don't know that it makes it sympathetic necessarily, but yeah. So most rom-coms are ready to cross that line, I think. Um, mm. So much so that you could probably fairly... E- I think there's a there's a real parallel with rom-coms and horror movies. They tend to be pretty damn formulaic. You could probably cut the same films into trailers of uh, different genres. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Love Actually... Well, Love Actually, you know, the scene with the cards uh, where he stood outside saying, you know, just turns up at her door and has all these weird cards. Yeah. And like, we, we've barely met... We we barely know each other. I thought you hated me until recently. Super healthy. Um, yeah, and just like the chase through the airport, you put some dramatic music on that. Granted, he's a kid, but still. It's all in um, the music. Yeah, you just put some creepy music and she's like running for that plane. She wants to get on the plane away from this, this you know, creepy kid. Yeah, absolutely. I, I want the same movie um, and I want... Because you know the way they already cut different trailers for different audiences for marketing purposes? Mm, yeah. Yeah, which is terrible. Um, but they should just go whole hog, just own it. They will take the same film and they'll make the romantic trailer and then they'll make the horror trailer. And you <laughs> won't know which version you're going to go see. Are you familiar with the uh, 5050 subreddit? No. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. It, it might literally be called 5050 or some variants. Uh, basically, the logic is um, a post will have a title like a cute puppy, but there's a 50-50 chance... Um, that it will be a picture of a cute puppy or that it will be, like, something awful. Oh. Oh, no. Or it'll be, like, (laughs) you know, like, my knee surgery, you know? But, like, maybe it isn't. Uh... Maybe it's a cute puppy. Yeah, so just people who like to gamble like that. Uh, It'll be like that. You don't know what you're going to see at the cinema or, you know, on your streaming service at home or whatever. Uh, It'll be a fun game uh, to play on dates. Mm. Maybe if you want to go really, like, uh, advanced, I don't know, psychology, you you go into the, the cinema... You each go into a different room, and depending on which room you're in, you're primed. So they like you're like you're about to see a horror film. Oh, it's going to be so creepy, and look out for this thing because oh, that's going to be scary. Or in the other room, it's like oh, you're about to see a rom com. They're going to get on so well. Oh, isn't it cute? Oh, it's going to be so nice. And then you actually just watch the same film. Um, but uh, because you've been primed differently, some half the audience come out going oh, that was so creepy, and half come out saying oh, that was so nice. Oh, I'm so glad we saw that. That would be amazing, actually. Yeah, I'd be really interested to know like. What they can do, because there's like 20 minutes of trailers and adverts and stuff. They've got a lot of time in which to, yeah, to prime you. Just show you a bunch of, I, I don't know if it would suffice to just show you a bunch of horror movie trailers or if they'd have to do something else. But yeah, they could really, 
I don't, there's so much of an overlap, Andy, that I went and made a list. I perused lists of the like the top 200 rom coms and the top 200 horror movies, and there's uh-huh. so and you're gonna read all 200. Buckle up, listeners, <laughs> right now. <laughs> no, but I did pick some of my favourites where the titles you cannot freaking tell which genre they belong to, and they're so similar. Okay. I swear. Here's a selection. Um, you've got The Holiday and The Shining. Mm-hmm. Or you've got 500 Days of Summer. Or I Know What You Did Last Summer. Bridget Jones's Baby versus Rosemary's Baby. You've got (laughs) It Happened One Night versus From Dusk Till Dawn. Trainwreck, Final Destination. I can't tell which of those is the horror. (laughs) The Awful Truth is a rom-com, apparently. But What Lies Beneath is a horror. Funny ha-ha, rom-com, funny games, horror. You've got Mail and The Call. I can't tell. Mm. I've got more. Better Off Dead <laughs> is a rom-com. Angel Heart really isn't, apparently. High Fidelity and White Noise, it could be any darn thing. I guess what we've, we've learned is it, it very much depends on inflection with, with any film. I'm just reading through mine now. <laughs> just, say, just saying big. <laughs> doesn't really, big. Doesn't really work. I mean, it uh, could. Yeah. I can see that being about some kind of monster or something. I, you just need that that guy with the trailer voice, really. Mm, I think he's called Red Pepper, or he's one of the ones with the trailer voice. The name is Red Pepper? Yeah. Is he so named because yeah. he consumes a load of red peppers before he does the readings, or...? Uh, <laughs> well, that's how he makes his voice so deep? Yeah. I don't know. Red Pepper. Wow, the man, the legend. What a name. That was the Hypotheticals podcast. Adriano, where can people find us online? We're all over the place, Andy. Oh, we're everywhere. Everywhere. That's right. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Just search for Hypotheticals. That is Hypotheticals, the weird way we spell it, but without the R. Yes. And uh, if you would like to leave us a rating on a podcast app of your choice, be that Acast, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Whatever they may be, may take some digging, but if you could leave us a five-star rating, uh, it would mean that we would get more than at least five listeners. We would love you so, so much. And please, why not tell a friend who might enjoy listening to our dulcet tones. And we will see you next time. Bye! You wondered why the podcast was four hours long? <laughs> well, it's because of this list. There's so many, though. While you were sleeping, <laughs> let the right one in. While you were sleeping as a rom-com. That sounds creepy as that's hell. A wi- that's a weird name for a rom-com. Isn't it? Yeah. Right? Sabrina and Carrie, you know, it's just a woman's name. It could be anything. One mm. of them is really horrifying, the other one isn't. The Notebook, and then you've got The Ring. The Ring sounds like it's about a wedding. <laughs> yeah. 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 Hitch, classic rom-com. Split horror. I won't say classic horror, uh-huh. but you know, Split sounds like the opposite of Hitch. It sounds like the sequel. You could confuse people so easily. <laughs> Mamma Mia is a rom com. Mother is a horror film. <laughs> Cold Comfort Farm and Sleepy Hollow both sound like nice places for an Airbnb getaway to me. I'd like Mamma Mia to be a horror film. That would be very exciting. Right? But they keep the songs. It's <laughs> yeah. still Abathine. Mamma Mia, <laughs> here I go again. My, my. <laughs> that like... is terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, oh, man. Yeah. A lot of pop songs would be really gruesome as well if you just change the tune. Yeah. Well, that's why metal covers of things are a thing. Yeah. What's the lyrics to Super Trooper? 
Super Trooper lights are going to find you. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. I don't want them to find me. Ominous. Ominous. Yeah. What else is there? Oh, does your mother know that you're out? That's a good one oh. for creepy creep factor. Yeah, that's a perfect horror movie title. Because they're always <laughs> punishing people like for having sex or relationships. They're like, oh, you teens, now you get knifed. That's what happens. <laughs> Abstinence is the way. What other ABBA songs are there that are in Mamma Mia? I have no idea. <laughs> have you not seen Mamma no. Mia? Oh, missing out. It's so naff. <laughs> yeah, I think that's why I've been avoiding it. It's set in a Greek island. You'd love it. Yeah. <laughs> a Greek island with barely any Greek people for some reason. Um, <laughs> I'm sure that's accurate. During the tourist season, like the population is yeah. triple. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, my only other one that I've written down was Back to the Future, where you make this dark again. Um, it's about a young man who travels back in time and uh, accidentally just has an Oedipus relationship with his own mother. Oh yeah, that'd be so easy. Yeah, it would be like because that almost happens. More artsy one. Yeah, it, it does almost happen. So all you need to do is make that go on a bit longer, and then whoops. Yeah, yep. easily, and yeah, I mean, it, like that—that that turns into like a "Call Me by Your Name" kind of like risque avant-garde. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, easily. But you keep in all the, you know, the Delorean with like the flaming trails <laughs> and like the the nonsense about him like fading out of the photograph and yeah. Oh yeah. And the guy who's like, um, he doesn't he like invent rock music. The guy's like, you know that new um, sound what? you're looking for? Get a load of this. Yeah, you keep all of that. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Biff is still in it. Is it Biff? Oh, I think so. Something like that, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, but also yeah. Oedipus Complex. Yeah. <laughs> the other the other day, Flora's dad was wandering around saying, where are my glasses? I can't find my glasses anywhere. And he was literally wearing them. Wonderful. Like, not even on his head, like, perched on his head. They, he, he was wearing them. He was looking through them. <laughs> I've done that. <laughs> I want to laugh, but I've done that. <laughs> it's like, where, where are they? I can see everything so well. <laughs> I should be able to see them. It might be quite difficult, actually, a lot of the time to identify where we make the point a lot of the time. Because <laughs> I know mm. I am definitely very guilty of starting things with like, okay, first let me tell you a story about this didn't happen to me, but it happened to my best friend's <laughs> dog in childhood. And, and you know, I'll get to the point eventually. <laughs> and it turns out, he was an eye surgeon. I, I couldn't believe it. Anyway, about uh, toxic masculinity. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, which, you know, is presumably the appeal that brings all the listeners in. Yeah. We could just keep kicking the can down the road. Yeah, let's kick this can. Yeah. It's a it's a battered can by it now. Is, it is. <laughs> it's been kicked a lot. Well, they're there to be used as and when. Cool. What should we do for... Should we stop recording yet, or should we keep it? Um, I guess we could stop. Probably we can done. stop. There's Let's probably stop. already bloopers in there. Right, let's stop.